Hi, welcome to Anton Knows. This is episode 100. We made it to 100. Isn't that great? Thank you again for all your support. Yes, I know it's been a while. Life just happens sometimes. But enough about that. On with the show, as they say. We're continuing our journey with the Muppets and talking about Jim Henson and all his wonderful creations. We talked about the first three movies that they did last time. Uh, Go check out those uh, uh, podcasts. I talked about the uh, Muppet movie, the Great Muppet Caper, and the Muppets Take Manhattan. In between those movies, Jim Henson took a dive into fantasy. Now, this is how profound this fantasy film eventually became. Harlan Ellison, the famous writer who wrote A Boy and His Dog and uh, For I Have No Mouth and Cannot Scream, and he also wrote one of the definitive Star Treks of all time. One day when we cover all the Star Trek episodes, we'll talk about that definitive episode. But he said that The Dark Crystal was the greatest fantasy movie ever made. He said there were a lot of other fantasy movies made throughout the years. He said, but The Dark Crystal is a pure fantasy film. Is he right? Well, partly, yes and no. It was not a financial success, even though it had two big powerhouses behind it. It was... Him and Frank Oz, who did all the other characters with him. This was his second, to, his first chance in the co-director's chair. Hanson kind of taught him, you know, this is what you do. This is what you don't do. You make sure that everybody's ready. You make sure that everybody's comfortable and stuff. Hanson was a gentle man, but he was a tough taskmaster. He didn't give a lot of responses to things like, what do you think, Jim? Maybe, possibly. Read his biography in about this period. The Dark Crystal's eminence eventually came from this. He created these creatures called Skeksis. They kind of look like vultures or raptor kind of creatures. And they have a dinner sequence, which is very bizarre and very strange. He would show it to friends, and they would say to him, what does this all mean? Because originally what he wanted to do in this movie was have everybody speak their own language and have no translation whatsoever. He eventually was talked out of this because they said to him, nobody's going to understand what you're talking about. Hansen went, all right, I'll do that. That they have to speak English and they have to so that everybody can more or less understand what the what is going on. And the other problem he had was, in fantasy films, and especially if you're known for doing something else, if you're known for doing uh, The Muppets and for doing Sesame Street, and you dive into this other thing, they all the audience didn't really understand it. But, nevertheless, in 1982, this movie eventually came out. Another one backseat story is this. Jim Hansen wrote this story when it, when it was with his daughter while they were snowed in at an airport. They were going, I think, back to London. And before they could go, uh, the airport was snowed in, so they had to spend the night at a hotel. And so Hansen sat in a hotel with a notepad and wrote the screenplay for The Dark Crystal. Okay. 
it was eventually going to be called something else, but eventually it went to becoming the Dark Crystal. What's the story? If you've never seen this movie, I suggest you turn off this podcast right now and then go watch it. Okay, you're back? Great. And then after that, you'll understand both these movies. So, the movie is about this. All these people are puppets. There are no human actors in this movie. And many of Henson's uh, core actors who did puppeteering with him on Fraggle Rock and on The Muppet Show worked on this film. So, there's these two races of beings. One are evil, one are good. The good are these people called... Uh, they're like sorcerers or wizards, okay? And they mostly learn how to uh, write and read and are very kind. And they're kind of older and they've got... And they help out these little elf-like creatures called gelflings, okay? The bad guys are these fellows called the Skeksis. They're like these vulture-like creatures and they are obsessed with power and and ruling the land, and so forth. The mystics are the names of the good guys. Okay, mystics, skelkses. Get it? Good. All right. So the uh, skelkses fear that they get a projection from the dark crystal that uh, these guys called gelflings will eventually destroy them. So they want to rule, and they want to be immortal. That's mainly what they're their fear is. So the old emperor who has guided them for many, many years and, and had an empire is dying. Uh, he Before he dies, he says, I'm still emperor, but then he falls apart and dies. He, uh, one of the his underlings grabs the scepter and there's this other creepy guy who's called the Chamberlain he wants to be emperor too. So in order to prevent this challenge, they uh, take these big swords, they have a fight, and they smash a, a rock. Of course, this other fella, he smashes the rock first. He says, the Chamberlain is banished. So they grab him up, pull all his clothes off, and leave him with nothing and kick him out of the cave. They have these giant soldier-like creatures. They're kind of like horseshoe crabs and lobsters and the kind of strange creatures. The designer of this of these creatures got this idea because he went out to eat uh, at a lobster dinner and he took all the different parts of lobsters and made these hideous creatures out of all the bits and pieces of everyone's uh, plate after everyone was finished and created these really strange monstrosities. And that became their soldiers. So there are two Gelflings left and also these little guys called Podlings. The Skeksis basically use the land like, you know, their own private empire. Anybody who is under their room either is a slave or is being used to, uh, to serve themselves to eat food. That dinner sequence I talked about is in this scene where they're chasing... Uh, so there's this really weird fade-out that goes into that scene. Everything is beautiful about this world. It's weird, it's dark, it's strange, and it feels like you're on another planet. Uh, so, enter the hero. The hero is this one 
Gelfling. He's kind of sad and moody, and he was taught by one of the mystics, and his master has just died. He tells him about art, music, and about writing, and so forth, and uh, how to use magic. And he tells him, you got to go to the castle, and you got to go find this shard, this piece that is off the dark crystal, and replace it. So he meets this older woman, like witch-like woman, and he's put through a test, which is the, the shard. So he knew he was, uh, basically he's the guy, so he picks out one of the shards, and he takes it, and he runs to, uh, yes. But then these uh, horseshoe crab creatures attack, and they grab her up and take her back to the castle. He meets this girl, Gelfling, when he falls into a bog, and she uh, dream uh, shares with him. He shares his life. She shares her life. She was raised by the mystics, too, and taught by the podlings about kindness, about how to fight, how to do this, how to do that. So eventually, uh, she it says, "You got we got to go to the castle, and we got to fulfill our destiny. We run into the chamberlain again, and he tells them, oh, you, pilot, you, you, you just want, you Gelflings just want peace. I know your peace. I take you back to the castle as my guest. And, of course, you don't want to trust him because he's just after his own ambitions. So uh, there's a lot of, like, there's, and there's this little dog-like creature. It reminds me a lot of my aunt's dog. My aunt had a dog named Murphy, and he was a uh, Jack Russell Terrier at his big big mouth, very cute dog, but very bitey, because he just felt, well, it's 8 o'clock, I've got to bite you. So we go to this um, castle eventually. She gets captured, and the chamberlain says, oh, I brought her back. See, I should be reinstated. I brought her back. I brought one of the last of the Gelflings back. He doesn't tell them there's another Gelfling out there. He just tells her, oh, she's the last one. So how the Skeksis are staying alive is by draining everybody's essence. So they take these poor little podling guys and they drain their essence. So they eventually well, try to drain hers, but for some reason it doesn't work. Uh, they eventually stab her, and uh, our hero gets to the top of the Dark Crystals, this very famous comic book cover of her and him on top of the crystal, and she throws him the shard, and he takes the shard and sticks it back into the crystal, and it unites, reconnects the dark crystal. While all of this is going on, these mystics are making their way, slowly but surely, back to the castle. Now you would say, to why are they doing that? Here's why. They get there. After he reconnects it, the Skeksis are frozen, and both sides of the two beings become one. So the good and evil. Because we basically, the balance. Evil can't ex totally exist without good. And good cannot totally exist without evil. That's basically the yin and the yang. That all this mystical uh, stuff. You know. Uh, sadness cannot exist without happiness. And happiness cannot exist without sadness. Some things make us sad, but they also make us happy. That's what Inside Out. One day we'll have to do all the Pixar movies. I'll, we'll talk about that as, as time goes on. Anyway, the good guys 
they realize that this is uh, this has happened, and they unite together. And uh, they said we we goes we we were wrong to separate ourselves. We sh- uh, we thought that this was going to help us, but it it didn't help us. And she he's sitting there. What about my girlfriend? My girlfriend just died. And he says. Oh, don't worry about that. So they just touch her, and she's automatically healed, and she comes back to life. The Dark Crystal was a big movie. One of my uh, good friends, John, he went uh, when it was his birthday. He lived with a whole bunch of brothers and his dad. And so every year when it was their birthday, they would all get to pick a movie. So John picked the Dark Crystal to go see it. And he said that was a lot of pleasant memory with his father. I didn't see this movie in the movies. I saw it on cable TV. It's uh, very odd the way we all look at time. In the, old, in the olden days, the only way you could see a movie is you go to the theater. Now, there's every which way to Sunday. Mr. Movie, you don't have to worry about that. It'll come to cable TV or it will come to video. That's the way it was now. Now, everyone is spoiled. It comes on streaming about a month or two or a week or two after uh, it's been out in the theaters. If it's been out there for a month or two months or three months, it's already out, ready for pre-order, either rent or buy, and you can watch it as many times as you want. Okay? Okay. The... So I saw this movie first on video when it came out on video, and then uh, me and my sister watched it on cable TV. And if you can remember back in the day when you used to buy a blank videotape, and you could watch it and rewatch it as many times as you wanted. When I was in uh, grade school, they used to put out a magazine that allowed you to uh, watch uh, to read uh, the entire movie as a play. And it would even give you a little trivia contest. I don't know if they do that magazine anymore, but they used to give that out. So the big movie that everybody was talking about that that summer, that was what everybody would talk about. And they would uh, let you read it as though it was a, a screenplay. So you would see the main parts and who was doing what and so forth. Okay. And I always thought that was cool. They did it for TV movies, and they did it for big screen movies like The Dark Crystal. I have that issue somewhere stashed away somewhere because I don't throw anything out. So it's either I have it or I don't have it. But I remember seeing that there then. The movie didn't do very well at the box office. It it bombed, as a matter of fact. And uh, the studio even wanted uh, Henson to to add something to it. And when they ran it for test audiences, they hated it. So he re-edited it, and they said the biggest complaint they had was that nobody could understand what everybody was saying. So they had to re-record all the voice track. Because a lot of times, if there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of going on, that that's what they have to do. Re, re-dub a, a film. What... It's a very incredible and different kind of movie, but I don't think audiences were ready for it back in uh, 1982 because I think what they expected was Miss Piggy and Kermit, and they got something totally different. They got this weird, dark fantasy movie. But 
all is, all is not lost. Many years after this movie came out, Jim Henson bought back all the movies from all the studios that he had and had it under Jim Henson Studios and re-released all these movies first on videotape and then under the Henson banner and then uh, The Dark Crystal uh, as well. That's the way I have it. Uh, some friends of my sister had it and they didn't want it because they thought it was going to be something else and they they got it. But many like gothic people and uh, this newer generation rediscovered The Dark Crystal saying, boy, a fantasy film? Because people who like Lord of the Rings and all these other fantasy films said, that's uh, different. He tried again with a movie called Labyrinth in 1986. I remember a radio show that used to be on uh, WNBC on Sundays, and it was on before the DJs got on, and uh, they played music. They had an interview show, and Jim Henson said, "Well, I know I haven't been. I've been very busy working on a, a whole bunch of projects, but he says the two that I can talk about right now." Uh, the Muppets Take Manhattan, when I'm working with uh, my good friend Frank Oz, I'm uh, letting him direct that. And then he says, the next movie is going to take place in the same world as The Dark Crystal. Oh, yes. And The Dark Crystal has a television series that was done on Netflix called Dark Crystal Resistance. But I think they had to stop it because they used to shoot it in Australia. And while they were down there... There was a lot of uh, wildfires, so they had to evacuate that studio, and I think they had to stop production. But this takes before The Dark Crystal. If you really want more of it, you should find, I think IDW did a comic book which talks about the events of after Dark Crystal. So he was working on another film called Labyrinth. Labyrinth is a musical adventure and originally, he wanted Michael Jackson to play this character called Jareth, who is a uh, the Goblin King. But Brian, Jim Anson's other son, who looks a lot like him, by, by the way, and he also, every time I mention Brian, I have to mention that he did my favorite other science fiction series, uh, Farscape. He uh, worked on another film called... Um, he worked on Labyrinth with him and his, uh, his dad. And he said to him, hey, uh, you shouldn't get Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson will want to take over this project. You should get David Bowie. And he went, David Bowie? Really? And he went, yes. So he went to him and he, uh, he said, would you want to play Jareth? And he went, yes. And he liked the idea. And he wrote all the music for it. He wrote... Um, uh, I Want to Live Underground, Everything I've Done, I've Done for You, Magic Dance, and all these other songs. He was really, really... Uh, Originally, he was supposed to be a puppet, and the owner writer was not going to be either, but everybody was going to be a puppet, but they decided, no, we'll have human beings in this. This is a quest story. Same artist who worked on The Dark Crystal gave Henson this famous picture of all these goblins sitting around near a baby's bassinet. And they're looking and peering into this little bassinet. So 
What what's the story? Again, go watch it, come back. You done that? Good. So here's what it's about. Labyrinth uh, takes place as young girl. She's a beautiful young girl. She uh, doesn't really like her little brother very much. Makes a wish and said, oh, Goblin King, oh, Goblin King, come and take my brother away. And so Jareth takes this opportunity to do just that. Sends an army of goblins. They break into the house, and he steals her brother. She goes to this land called the Labyrinth and journeys through this. And all this time, she feels that Jareth has some kind of power and that he's uh, manipulating everyone. So she finds a group of people to go on this quest. This uh, guy named Boggle, sort of like a, like a troll or a goblin kind of creature. Uh, this big, hairy, like, Wookiee-like guy. This dog on a, uh, a steed who's a knight. And they all go on this quest together, get past all these traps, get past all these deceptions, a lot of really unique camera work. Uh, and breaking through walls and stuff like that. And eventually she finds Jareth, confronts him, and uh, defeats him because she basically says, you have no power over me, and she defeats him. She gets her brother back and leaves the land of Labyrinth. But there you go. Great, great songs, great story. Now you would think this movie... And it had two huge powerhouse directors by the Jim Henson and George Lucas. Well, unfortunately, just like The Dark Crystal, it had tons of problems. Critics didn't really particularly like it. They liked the world that it was came from, but they didn't really care much for the characters. They didn't care much for the girl. They liked David Bowie a little bit. They didn't care much for the music, and that's it. But again, just like uh, The Dark Crystal, I saw this on video and said, wow, what a really interesting movie. And then watched it again when it was on uh, cable TV. So that's how people rediscovered it. It became a cult movie. And all these people, oh, you like The Dark Crystal, you'll like this. Or you'll like David Bowie. Oh, I love David Bowie. He's in a movie like that? He worked with Jim Henson? Really? And it was rediscovered like that. And that's uh, how that movie really uh, became something different. Uh, there is a comic book series that was done by Marvel, just like The Dark Crystal was. And there was a, another one done by IDW called Return to Labyrinth. And so now the little baby that was in the movie is all grown up now. And he's a young man. So Jareth is sort of looking after him to see maybe Jareth will retire and give the seat of the Goblin King to him. So if you really like that universe and really like those these goings-on, definitely uh, you would like the Dark Crystal. Always something interesting going on in the world of comic books and so forth. Okay, so... Uh, what do you think of these? Do you know these movies? Do you love these movies? Let me know in the comments below. Go on Facebook, find my picture of what it says Anton knows when I place this on Facebook. Let me know what you think in the comments below. Do you like these movies? Do you think they're interesting? 
I never saw that movie. I want to watch that movie. Or I'm not interested in that movie. Just remember to, to be, you know, positive. And uh, you can be negative, but don't be offensive. That's all I ask. Okay? So, uh, I know I've been away for a while, but that's the way things are sometimes. Uh, but you should definitely check these movies out. Next time on Anto Knows, we will talk about the continuation of Jim Henson's journey. What happened to Jim Henson? Where, uh, did, what happened to all his wonderful actors and players? Are they still around today? The last two Muppet movies that sort of involve him, which involve uh, works of literature, the worst Muppet movie ever made, and, of course, uh, The Muppets Return to the Big Screen. That's all next time on Anton Knows. I'll see you then.